0: CrimeCon, the world's number one true crime event, is returning to London on Saturday the 11th and Sunday the 12th of June 2022. Get inside the mind of serial killers and psychopaths, learn from leading criminologists, hear from the families and survivors, meet your favorite true crime podcasters, immerse yourself in forensic evidence, and delve deeper into unsolved crimes. CrimeCon is the ultimate true crime weekend partnered by CBS Reality UK, expert led true crime. I'm delighted to say that I will be there and I would love to see you there too. Remember to use the code MENSREA for your special 10% discount. This year is set to be even bigger and better, and not only will you be able to take deep dives into cases and hang out with all your favorite personalities from the true crime world, there will be live podcast recordings and podcast host panel discussions and Q&A sessions. And after all that, you can join us at the bar. Limited early bird tickets are on sale now, and don't forget that code MENSREA to get your discount. For more information, visit crimecom.co.uk. See you there. You're listening to the Mens Rea podcast, and this is the story of Kasaba Orsos. Early on the morning of Monday, the twenty sixth of March twenty thirteen a frantic woman approached a security guard working at the small harbor in Arklow Town, County Wicklow. The woman was drenched and obviously upset, but she spoke only broken English, and the security guard struggled to make sense of what she was trying to tell him shortly after the woman's housemate arrived at the scene, and through her translations from Polish, the security guard realized that a car had gone into the water. And there had been another passenger in it. The distraught woman, Marta Herda, did not know where Cassaba Orsas, the man she had been with in the car, was. The security guard immediately rang the guardee to begin a water rescue. Guards arrived along with the Sabaqua unit, and they set about the task of first locating Marta Herda's gold colored Volkswagen Passat. Rescuers spotted the car but they had difficulty getting close to it as the water was moving and swaying it in the harbour at the point where the river Avoca met the sea. A technical examination of the scene was conducted to try and establish what had caused the car to go off the pier. Damage was noted to the crash barrier at the edge of the pier and a car bumper was seen caught on the rails. An ESB electrical box had also been damaged. At about 3pm, a crane had arrived at the scene and the car, which had been found upside down on the bottom of the harbour, was attached to its chains. A crowd had gathered, many of whom knew either Marta Herda or Cassaba Orsas, who both lived in Arklo and had worked together as waitstaff in a hotel. Cassaba Orsas's brother stood among the crowd, supported by friends, Desperate for the rescuers to find his brother, and as the car began to be lifted from the water, he broke down in tears. The car was badly damaged, and, more concerning, it was empty. Search and rescue units continued looking for the missing man along the coast, but it was hard going as the water was particularly choppy that day. Gardie at the scene tended to the distraught woman, Marta Herda, and tried to find out what had happened. She was transported to Lachlanstown Hospital for treatment as she had gone into the water, but she had not sustained any major injuries. Gardee called out to Cassaba Orsos' home that afternoon and spoke to his housemate, Ms. Dzintra Duarte. She told the Gardee that she had come home late the night before, at around 1 a.m. After arriving at the house, she'd closed the door behind her and gone to bed. She had not seen Mr. Orsas, However, when she awoke the following morning, she told police she'd discovered that the front door had been left wide open and that Ksaba was not in the house. Meanwhile, around the same time, Gardi arrived at Klogga Beach, two miles south of Arklow town. The remains of a man had been discovered washed up on the beach. These remains were provisionally identified as belonging to the missing man, Kasaba Orsas and it was believed that his body had been briefly swept out to sea in the hours after the crash. Following the discovery of his remains, the guardies said that they were anxious to speak further to Marta Herda when she was well enough to do so. Marta Herda was born in Lubin, Poland in 1987 and had moved to Ireland when she was 19 years old. She'd been living in Ireland for around five years when she got a job at the Brook Lodge Hotel near Ockram. Kasaba Orsas, a Hungarian national, also worked at the hotel and they'd known each other for around two years by the time of the crash. His family said that he had moved to Ireland for a better life and they were desperate to bring his remains home to Hungary to be buried after his death. A post-mortem examination was carried out and it was revealed that Kasaba had drowned. Tributes were left along the pier in Arklow, and his friends began to share information about his state of mind in the months before his death. They said that he had been posting messages online that worried them. He'd told them that he was broken-hearted and wanted to be left alone. One friend told reporters that Kasaba had been in love with a woman, and after she rejected him, his behaviour began to change dramatically. Kassaba’s family began making arrangements to repatriate him. This process costs a considerable amount of money, and in order to raise the funds, his brother, Zoltan, was trying to sell his own car and Kassaba's car. The Evening Herald reported that friends had also donated money to try and get the family closer to the 4,000 euro needed. After raising the money, Kassaba Orsos’s body was flown back to his home place of Kapsavar, Hungary. Over 500 people attended the funeral mass on Saturday, the 6th of April, alongside Cassaba's heartbroken and shocked family. Cassaba's brother, Zoltan, who had been living in Ireland too, told the Evening Herald that he wasn't sure if he would return to Arclo after accompanying his brother on his final journey home. Ms. Herda had been released from the hospital the day after the crash and was described as, quote, assisting the Gardaí with their inquiries. Then, months later, on August the 2nd, 2013, Herda was arrested in connection with Kisaba Orsas's death and was questioned before being released that evening. The gardie had commissioned a number of experts to complete reports in order to ascertain how the car had ended up in the South Key Harbor. Sources told the Evening Herald that CCTV and phone records had been gathered, and a file was being prepared for the DPP. On the morning of October 10th, 2014, over a year and a half after Cassaba's death, Herda was arrested at her home and taken to Arklo Garda station, where she was charged with the murder of Cassaba Orsas. Garda Anthony Crehan spoke at a hearing at Bray District Court the following day. He said that when Ms. Herda was charged, she had responded, quote, "'I did not want this to happen.' With the aid of an interpreter, Herda spoke only to confirm her name, age, address and that she understood the proceedings. She sobbed throughout the hearing and became increasingly upset when the judge remanded her into custody. The following week, Herda's solicitor, Tom Honan, told the court that his client's bail had been approved at the High Court in Clover Hill on October 13th, but the matter was adjourned to Arklow District Court so an independent surety could be secured. A surety of €4,000 was lodged and signed for, and Herda herself entered a bond for €500. As a condition of her bail, she had to surrender her passport, adhere to a curfew and sign on at the Garda station daily. She also had to provide the addresses of her parents and siblings. A hearing the following month revealed that the case had been sent forward for trial at the Central Criminal Court. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. And let's not forget about doom scrolling, sleeping too little, or if you're like me, sleeping too much. At one point at the end of a very stressful year, my teeth grinding habit resulted in a month long bout of facial nerve pain. Stress shows up in all kinds of ways. And in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less and grind all the time, here's your reminder to take care of yourself, do less and maybe try some therapy. I know that taking a little bit of time out of my week to work through what's going on in my life definitely makes it easier for me to make connections about how stress or anxiety has decided to. To manifest itself for me. BetterHelp is perfect for this. It's customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And it's much more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. Right now, Men's Rea listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Men's. That's betterhel dot Men's. This episode is also sponsored in part by Noom. I've always proudly been a member of the No Breakfast Club. Coffee, just coffee, and more coffee. So being told that I need to eat a nutritious, high-protein breakfast gets the same reaction as telling me I have to go run a marathon. It was a pretty big roadblock for me, especially when I found out that high-protein breakfasts will help curb my ADHD brain seeking sugar at 9 p.m. every night, but I figured it out. I have a high-protein, low-sugar, ready-made shake in the morning, and it really helps. Noom is all about finding solutions that work for you. We have to work with our brains and be practical about the kinds of habits we change and introduce. Noom is designed to do exactly that and it makes it easy to track your progress. I'm two kilos away from my first goal, which is a big motivator, but I also feel zero guilt for the salted caramel chocolate I ate yesterday. With Noom, taking care of your health is empowering instead of stress-inducing. Get deeper insights into your health thanks to Noom's new proven approach Approach. Choose your goals, and Noom will personalize a weight loss program for you. Lose the weight for good. Sign up for your trial at noomcom mensrea. That's noo mcom mensrea. Marta Herda appeared before the Central Criminal Court in Dublin on Tuesday, the 5th of July, 2016, before Mr. Justice Patrick McCarthy and a jury of eight men and four women. Where she pleaded not guilty to the murder of Cassaba Orsas. Brendan Grehan, senior counsel, appearing for the DPP, gave his opening statement that morning. The state's case was that, contrary to Ms. Herda's first statement given to the Gardaí, in which she said the victim had confronted her at her house before they drove through the town together, phone evidence would show that Ms. Herda had instead lured Cassaba Orsas from his bed in the early hours of the morning. The evidence would suggest that Cassaba had not intended to be away from home. He had left the front door wide open when he presumably went outside to speak with the defendant after she had called him numerous times. Witnesses had heard a car driving at speed towards the pier and expert testimony from crash investigators would show that Ms Herda had made no attempt to slow down. Mr. Grehan told the jury that they would hear how Marta Herda had deliberately driven her car off the South Quay at Arklow Harbour on March 26, 2013. Mr. Grehan described the area, noting that there was a long road leading to the water, quote, almost like a runway in terms of its dimensions, and that there was a barrier at the end of the road with an electrical box just behind it in its centre. The water in the harbour, Grehan said, Was tidal, fast flowing, and very deep, in order to allow large boats to dock there. The prosecution would be arguing that the car had been driven at great speed and through two barriers into the sea by a woman who knew that the man in the front passenger seat could not swim. Grehan said, The objective evidence suggests that Marta Herda, in a deliberate act, drove through these barriers. The driver's window was down. Marta Herda could swim, the deceased could not, and Marta Herda was aware of that. Kasaba Orsas's post-mortem had shown that his death had been caused by drowning, not from any injuries he had sustained as the car plunged into the cold and turbulent waters. Grehan also prepared the jury for the fact that they would hear telephone evidence, as the state outlined how Kasaba Orsas had come to be in the defendant's car that morning and he said that this evidence would stand out to them. One of the first people to testify was Gavin Nolan, the security guard who had been present at the scene on the morning Cassaba died. Mr Nolan explained to the jury that he worked as a security guard at a factory located at the harbour. He said that on the morning of the incident, he had begun a patrol of the area at 20 to 6, just as the sky began to lighten. As he made the rounds, he had heard a noise of a car in the area, coming from the direction of the town. From the sound of its engine, Mr Nolan said you could tell it was going at high speed. He had expected to see a car parked at the harbour as he continued on his round, but there was no sign of one as he made his way into one of the buildings. The witness said he had noted that this was odd. A few minutes passed and then he heard another noise, faint at first and then gradually materialising into what he recognised as the screams of a woman. Then the witness saw the source of the screams, a woman running in the direction of the town. He shouted to her but she didn't respond. Mr Nolan rang the Gardaí telling them that the woman was screaming something over and over in what he assumed was Polish. He couldn't understand her, but it was clear she was very, very distressed and soaking wet. He could tell by the way her clothes clung to her skin. Next, Gerda Fiona Furlong gave evidence. She had responded to the call made by the security guard and had located the woman not far from Arklow Harbour. The guard recalled that Marta Herda had been soaking wet and was shaking and frothing from the mouth. Marta had told her over and over, he's in the water, you have to help, while she pointed in the direction of the South Quay. The following day of the trial the court heard from a local man, Paul Hickey. Mr Hickey had left his home for work that morning at about twenty past five. Not long after, a matter of five minutes or so into his journey, he walked past a gold or silver Volkswagen parked on the Wexford Road. It was only sort of pulled off from the carriageway, just halfway into a parking space and had its engine running. Mr Hickey said that this was unusual. There were usually hardly any cars out on the road when he left his house and the car was distinctive as it had plastic eyelashes over the headlights. He noticed a woman in the car and she appeared to be engaged in an argument. He said that he could hear her voice and she was quite animated. A cyclist had passed him on the path not long after he walked through Arklow, and then the same car drove by him shortly after this. The woman was still on the phone and still seemed to be engaged in a heated argument. He was able to identify himself on CCTV from that morning which was shown to the court. Later that day, after he'd learned about the incident in Arklow Harbour and realised that the car recovered was very similar to the one he had seen that morning, Mr. Hickey contacted Gardie. On cross examination by defence barrister Mr. Galesa O. he admitted he had not told Gardie about hearing an argument in his initial statements. Rather, he had used the phrase animated conversation. The court then heard from a postman who had said that at about 8am that Tuesday morning, while on his rounds, he had found the front door of Mr Orsaus's home left ajar. Then Garda Michael Hall gave telephone evidence. He told the court that Marta Herda owned and used two mobile phones. One of the numbers associated with the phones was used by the defendant for most of her contact with Mr Orsas. On the morning of his death, Marta had made ten calls from her phone, between six minutes past five and seventeen minutes past five, to a mutual friend of hers and Cassaba Orsos, all of which went unanswered. Then she called Mr Orsos three times. The last one of these calls was placed at twenty-five minutes to six, and had lasted two minutes. In the two days before Mr Orsos had died, the accused had rang him 12 times. Eight of those calls were from her other number. Mr Orsos had called Ms Herda 13 times and had sent nine texts. All of these calls and seven of the texts were to her second number. Defence barrister Mr Oladeda, when questioning the Garda who had dealt with the phone records, asked if it was the state's case that the circumstances of how Herda and Mr Orsas had ended up in the car together had been important, and that the calls outlined in the records were potentially also very important. The prosecution was alleging his client had lured Mr Orsas out to the car. Garda Hall said he couldn't speculate on what the nature of the calls had been, he could only speak to what was on the phone records. On Thursday, the 7th of July, paramedic Paul Quinn described how he had arrived at the pier in Arklow at about a quarter past six that morning. He had attended to Ms Herda, who he found soaked, distraught and shivering. Mr Quinn said he had noticed foam coming from her mouth. He and a colleague treated her for hypothermia and brought her by ambulance to Lachlanstown Hospital. On the 45-minute journey to the hospital, he had tried talking to Marta Herda. She kept repeating the name Cassaba. Mr. Quinn said he could tell she was worried. The witness recalled that Marta kept repeating that Cassaba shouldn't have been there. From the accused's demeanour and what she had said to him, the paramedic became concerned that Ms. Herda had maybe been assaulted and began asking her questions. All Marta would say was that Cassaba Orsas shouldn't have been there and that she drove the car into the water. Continuing witness testimony, Christina Byrne appeared to give evidence. She lived in Arclow near to South Quay. On the morning of the incident, she had been awoken by the sound of a woman screaming. She heard the woman yell that she had been raped. According to Ms. Byrne, the woman had said, Help, I've been raped. Ms. Byrne had left the house and walked up to the top of her road. A neighbour had done the same and was also out on the road. Ms. Byrne saw a woman who was, quote, dripping wet and who seemed very upset. Galesa Oladeda, defending, had asked Ms. Byrne a number of questions and then thanked her for going out to offer help. The other neighbour that Ms. Byrne had met that morning was Maria Travers, who had also appeared on the stand. Ms. Travers had said that she also believed she had heard the woman use the word rape, but she had accepted on cross that it was possible that she had misheard that perhaps the distressed woman had not said this. Oladeda had put it to Miss Travers that his client herself did not remember exactly what she had said, and that there was no suggestion in the case at all that the accused had been raped. Given all this, and the fact that Ms Travers didn't speak Polish and there was an echo in the area which may have distorted the woman's words, Miss Travers had agreed. When Oladeda put this same scenario to Miss Byrne, she did not accept that she could have misheard or misunderstood the word rape. She said that she was 100% sure that this was the word she had heard. Oladeda then suggested that the witness was perhaps not being honest and asked again if it was possible she had been mistaken, but Miss Byrne said no. She was adamant that she had heard Marta Herda use the word rape. After this, Chief State Pathologist Professor Mary Cassidy gave details of her autopsy examination of Kasaba Orsas's body. She had found, quote, abundant blood-stained froth in his airways. His lungs were, quote, over-inflated and doubled the normal weight. The injuries were wholly consistent with the cause of death as drowning. The next afternoon, the trial went into legal argument. The hearings began again the following Monday, the fifth day of the trial. The court heard the contents of the first statement given to Gardie by Marta Herda after she had driven the car into the harbour from Garda Anthony Crehan, who had visited the defendant when she was in hospital. He had also taken a subsequent voluntary statement later that afternoon in Arklo Garda station. In these statements, the defendant explained to Gardie that she worked with Casaba Orsas and she had first met him two years before. Ms Herda said, though, that Mr Orsas had told her he recalled having seen her before this when she had gone to the Brook Lodge Hotel with friends for dinner. Herda said that Orsas was even able to recall what she had been wearing on that occasion. Herda said that the Hungarian man was in love with her and was effectively stalking her. He contacted her and her friends and would tell people that they were in a relationship when they were not. She alleged Orsas had come to her home and her friends' homes uninvited and that she would see him wherever she went, whether it was the local Tesco or Dublin airport. Herda said Mr Orsas would tell her colleagues that they were sleeping together, but that wasn't true, and he would sit beside her at work and try to hold her hand. Herda told the gardie that her friends and colleagues thought it was funny, but she never did, and as this behaviour continued to go on into a second year, she was more and more upset by it. Ms Herda said that the management of the hotel were aware of what was going on because Orsas had left work on occasion to go see her. She continued, quote, "'I once got angry with him, but he likes me angry. He likes my eyes.' Herda also said she'd had a friend go to speak with Mr. Orsas's brother to try and get him to stay away from her, and told Gardie that she had not answered calls from Mr. Orsas for three months by the time of his death. When they started working together, Marta had lived alone, and not long after, she began to see his car parked near to her home. She started making taxi drivers take her right up to the entrance of her house and she said she'd run to the gate in order to try and avoid him, given he was there so often. The defendant said she would hear him banging at the gate. Eventually, due to this, Marta said she had moved. She had started living with two people that she knew, one of whom was an ex of hers. But even though it was less than ideal, she felt safer and it made her feel better. She had told Orsas to leave her alone, but Orsas had said, according to the Irish Times, quote, that he could see it in her eyes that they would have children together." End quote. The accused had also said she thought Orsas had put GPS on her car. She told friends if she was to ever go missing to contact Gardi. Orsas would also turn up at her friends and watch their houses. Marta said that the night before the incident, he had approached her when she was at a playground while minding some of her friend's kids. That night, the night before the crash, she had gone to a friend's house, Victor Zentezzi, and there they'd had a few glasses of wine. In the very early morning of the next day, Victor then drove her home in her car before he walked back to his house. Herda said that while she was outside of her house, Cassaba had come up to her car and said he wanted to talk, and that he wanted her to take them to the beach. According to Herda, at that time, Cassaba had made the comment, quote, "Motherfucker, Victor." After this, they got into the car and she began driving. She said that Cassaba was screaming at her. Herda claimed that he put his hand on her leg and she was afraid as they drove down Main Street in Arklow. She said that her mind was unclear, but she remembered hitting the accelerator and it felt in that moment that she could take no more as the car sped towards the edge of the pier. Herda had told Gardie that she remembered being under the water and when she re-emerged from the harbour she had called out his name but she did not see or hear Ksaba. Without any sign of him she swam towards a ladder on the pier and got out of the water. The Gardie asked her why she had not filed any reports about Mr Orsos's concerning behaviour and she said she hadn't want to go to the police. She said that Polish people didn't like police and it wasn't an obvious or easy course of action for her to take because of this. The healthcare workers who had treated Ms Herda after the incident testified next. Dr. Donal Bailey had spoken with the defendant at the hospital. He had asked her if she knew what would happen when she drove the car into the harbour. Dr. Bailey said that the defendant had nodded and teared up before she told him that she knew Mr. Orsos couldn't swim. Under cross-examination, Dr Bailey agreed that Ms Herda had trouble with her tenses in English. He believed Ms Herda was saying that in hindsight she knew what would happen, not that she knew beforehand what would happen. From his conversation with her, Dr Bailey believed that Ms Herda had had no homicidal intent. Next, a nurse, Claire Best, gave evidence. She had spoken to Ms Herda in the hospital as well. The defendant had told her that, quote, she didn't give him a chance, and that, quote, he didn't think she would do it, and she knew he couldn't swim. On cross examination, Nurse Best confirmed that she had left some of these comments out of her notes taken that morning. The state then re examined her, and she commented, quote, From the moment I went into Marta, I felt that I would end up here today. The next day, Gerda Anthony Crehan appeared on the stand again. He showed the court a Valentine's Day card, allegedly given to Marta Herda from Cassaba Orsas, which Marta had given to Gardi on the day of the incident. Inside, the words Thinking of you were printed, and hand drawn around this was a heart. Hand-written into the card was a message entitled Love Letter, where Orsas said he loved Marta and that he wanted to spend his life with her. The card read, in part, Dear Marta, I would just like to tell you in letters how much I love you. Seriously, I feel that I find you finally the girl I was looking for in all my life. I wish to share my life only with you. I'm ready to do anything for you. I can change all my bad habits for the way you wish. Millions of kisses. Kasaba said he thought of her every second, and that he loved her and that he would be the best husband. He wrote out his phone number and a smiley face, and dated the card May twenty first, twenty twelve. Garda Crehan was cross examined, and the defense barrister said that the Garda had not asked Marta Herda if she had intentionally driven the car into the water. Garda Crehan said that he had taken down Marta's story as she had told it, and that the defendant had, painted a back history with this guy, and it culminated in this. Mr. Oladeda put details from a later statement given by his client to the Garda, where she said she hadn't wanted to do this and she hadn't wanted this to happen and she hadn't done this intentionally. Next to testify was Ms. Herda's ex-boyfriend, Eamon Ibrahim. He said that Ms. Herda had been suspicious of his former girlfriends and perhaps a little bit jealous. He said that she had got on well with other men when they were together. He also testified that he knew she was a good swimmer. On the seventh day of the trial, Wednesday the 13th of July, Kasaba Orsas's brother, Zoltan Sandor, gave evidence. The court was shown a video of Kassaba's birthday that was taken on the 24th of July 2012. Marta Herda was present on the video, sitting at the table next to Orsos as he blew out the candles on his cake. Kassaba could be heard telling Miss Herda words to the effect that she was his present. Mr Sandor was asked whether Herda had said something about her having to come to the house to warn Kassaba that his manager knew Orsos had lied about being sick when he rang into work. Mr Sandor said he wouldn't be sure what Miss Herda had said. Then Martin Penn, a former colleague of Mr Orsos's, told the court that once, at a wedding, Miss Herda had pointed to the bride and groom's seats and said that that would be them one day, herself and Mr Orsos. On cross, Mr Penn accepted that perhaps this was something Mr Orsas had said a number of times. The court was told that Miss Herda accepted that she had said this, but that it was in the context of Orsas having said the same thing a number of times and Miss Herda was being light-hearted and teasing. A friend of the defendant's, Miss Katrina Sobeck, told the court that she had known the accused for four years and was aware of Mr Orsas. Miss Sobeck said that kasaba had fallen in love with Marta Herda after they became friends and that Marta had complained to her about Cassaba's behaviour many times. Ms. Sobeck testified that Orsos had contacted her via Facebook, asking how Marta Herda was and saying that he loved her very much and missed her. Ms. Zobeck also stated that she knew Marta was a good swimmer and she'd been surprised to hear that Mr. Orsos had been in Marta's car that Tuesday morning. Then Victor Zentizi gave evidence, who Marta Herda had spent the evening with before Cassaba Orsos's death. He said he was not in a relationship with Miss Herda but agreed when it was put to him that the two had kissed frequently Mr Santizi stated that he had thought about starting a more official relationship with her but that this had never happened on the night before the crash the witness said they had gone to his apartment at around midnight and that night Marta had insisted on going home at around 5 a.m. Victor drove her home in her car and then made the 25-minute walk back to his apartment. When he got back there, there were a number of missed calls on his phone from Herda and he had called her back. She asked him if he had gotten home okay and was annoyed. Victor explained that Herda hadn't wanted him to walk home. Rather, she had said he should just take her car back to his place. But he'd not felt like driving again, so he'd pretended he was going to drive and then put her keys through the letterbox. It was easier to do this, he said, because Herda was stubborn. But Marta had heard the keys come through the door and had confronted him. He'd ended up storming off. When he'd spoken to Marta later, he'd heard loud music in the background, and Victor assumed that Herda was in her car. Victor told the court that Herda had seemed upset and a bit confused, and he didn't understand why the defendant had been looking for him. He'd asked her why she was in the car but she didn't answer so he'd said good night and had hung up. Victor went on to explain that the two had kept seeing each other for a bit casually after Orsas had died but eventually he'd moved on. At this point the witness said that Marta had become upset saying she now realised she had feelings for him. He said she'd cried on the phone to him. When questioned by Mr Oladeda for Herta's defence, Victor agreed that Herda had told him that Cassaba was stalking her and that she had refused his help to sort it out. On Thursday the 14th of July, Forensic Collision Investigator Garda Cliff Harding described what he had found at the scene. There was a dark skid mark present on the quay after the incident. Photographs of this were shown to the jury. The skid mark was thirteen and a half feet long. It was the kind of mark made when tyres lock after a handbrake is engaged. It would not occur from using the brake pedal, as the ABS would have stopped the wheels from locking. When the car was recovered from the harbour, it was discovered that the handbrake was engaged, and the driver's side window was open, but all the other windows were closed. Then, memos of Marta Herda's Garda interviews from her arrest on the 2nd of August 2013 were read to the court by Detective Sergeant Fergus O'Brien. It was put to Herda that a witness from the harbor had described the speed of the car, saying it was going fast, quote, pedal to the floor stuff. Marta Herda had said, yes, she was going fast. She claimed that she was stressed and nervous but she said she hadn't meant to drive there. She and Kissaba had been arguing and it was an accident. Herda told the detective, quote, I couldn't understand what he was saying, and then boom. The defendant said she had not been intentionally driving recklessly, that she didn't want to hurt anyone and that she herself could have died. She didn't want to die and said she had family. Herda said she wished Mr. Orsas was still there and that it would be easier to explain what had happened if he was. The defendant told the detective that Cassaba's quote-unquote attention had become too much for her and she agreed that she was angry with him that morning. Then the defendant was shown CCTV taken from Arklow town from around 5.28 that morning. She confirmed she was the only person in the car at the time. Gardine noted that she had told them previously that Mr. Orsas had gotten into the car at her house. In response to this, Herda said she didn't know. Then Herda was shown phone records with a call from her to Mr. Orsas at 5.20am. Marta agreed that she had probably called Mr. Orsas for him to come and get her. She said, quote, I didn't have to do anything. He came to me. In response to the questions asked of her, Marta said she knew Cassaba couldn't swim. She said she didn't know why her window had been open while driving that morning, nor did she know why she was wearing light clothing despite the fact it was cold and snowing. Herda acknowledged she had heard it was impossible to open a car door when it was underwater. The detective asked her, Would you agree that Cassaba Orsas is dead because of your criminally dangerous act? Miss Herda had responded, he is dead because of his love for me. Detective O'Brien agreed that the memos he had brought to the court did not contain everything that was present on the video of the interview, which had also been shown in parts to the court. The trial resumed after the weekend on Monday the 18th of July. At this time, the videotapes of Marta Herda's Garda interviews were played for the jury. Detective Sergeant Fergus O'Brien was then cross-examined by Herda's defence, and he agreed that not everything that the accused had said in the interview had been noted in the handwritten notes taken down by Gardie. The court saw Ms Herda say in the interview that she had looked for Cassaba in the water and had hoped to try and save him after the car had crashed. A friend had told her afterwards that she shouldn't feel bad that she'd not kept looking for him, as then she too would have died in the water. Her friend had also said that Cassaba might have pulled her down and both would have drowned. Nevertheless, Marta Herta said she was always thinking about what else she could have done. She asked herself, what if she had driven another way that morning? The defendant was asked about her opinion of Cassaba Orsas, and she said she didn't know if he was a good person or a bad person, but he seemed to be good-hearted. She was frightened by him, though, because of his behaviour but she said he had suffered because she didn't return his affections. She agreed that he was a nuisance and a pest to her, and that he wanted to prove to the whole world how much he loved her. She had told them that they couldn't be together, and Herda told Gardie that they had never had a physical relationship. At one point that day, Mr Justice Patrick McCarthy also addressed the jury reminding them that it was essential that they only consider the evidence that had been put before them and that they were to ignore media reports as they did not provide a full account of what was presented in court. He also reminded the jury that they were not to discuss the case with anyone else. Evidence continued the following day and the jury heard Marta herder describe the crash to Detective Sergeant O'Brien in the taped interview. She started by saying that there was a fight, Cassaba was screaming, and that she wanted him to stop. Then she hit the barrier, and the next thing she remembered was the water coming into the car. It went dark, and she didn't remember how it was that she came to get out of the car, but next she knew she was in the water. She said at some point she had tried to call out for Cassaba, but there was, quote, no air. Herda said she was fighting for her life in the water. She recalled that she was screaming and tried to hold on to some rocks at the edge of the harbour but the water had pulled her away. She realised she had to stop screaming to save her energy as she fought against the choppy waves. She had all but given up when her feet hit something and next she was aware she was out on the road in the dark. In the interview, Detective Sergeant O'Brien said what a terrible experience that was and continued, quote, Christ almighty, that was an awful escapade in that water. On the stand, Sergeant O'Brien was questioned by Mr Oladeda again, who asked what the Garda thought Herda had meant that when she drove into the water, she wanted all this to stop. Sergeant O'Brien said that he thought the defendant had been referring to the whole thing, the calls and the text messages and so on. The Defence counsel suggested that Herda might have been referring to what was going on in the car at that time. And Sergeant O'Brien said that this was another possible interpretation, telling Ola Data his interpretation was different in the context of their interview, but, quote, that's my interpretation. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong, it's for others to interpret. On Wednesday morning, the 20th of July, Detective Sergeant Fergus O'Brien was re-examined by the prosecution and outlined a portion of his interview with Marta Herda where he'd put it to her that she had essentially lured Cassaba Orsas from his home that morning. He'd noted that she rang Mr Orsas three times at around half five and that Mr Orsas's door had been left open. You rang him, the Garda said to her, suggesting her next words, Quote, I'm outside Cassaba, come out. Herda acknowledged this, saying, probably, yes, that was what had happened. Detective Sergeant O'Brien had continued, quote, You lured him out of the house, and he's dead within 12 minutes. Herda had responded then, saying, quote, This is horrible. Everyone is looking at this story from the last few seconds. She was saying that she saw the whole thing as a series of events carried out over two years. Herda said she had wanted the screaming to stop and Sergeant O'Brien commented, quote, you definitely achieved your objective. Marta Herda then told the detective, quote, you don't like me. O'Brien replied that he felt sorry for her, but that she had gotten Cassaba out of bed at five in the morning and then had driven him into the river. Herda had commented then, quote, that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard, that I want to kill someone. It also emerged that while Ms Herda was out on bail, a postcard had been sent to the Arklo Garda station. A Polish coin was taped to the card, and the message read, "Keep up the good work, wish you were here, hope you catch the killer." End quote. DNA analysis of the stamp used to send the postcard showed that it had been sent by the accused. With the evidence complete that afternoon, Wednesday the 20th of July, Brendan Grehan, prosecuting, gave the closing speech for the state. He said that the case against the accused was mostly circumstantial, but it all pointed clearly to the conclusion that Marta Herda had used her car as a, quote, instrument of murder when she drove it into the sea in Arklow. The jury could draw inferences from what they had heard such as the fact that Kasaba Orsas's front door had been left open on the morning of his death, indicating, Mr Green said, that the deceased man had not intended on leaving his house, rather he'd planned on going back inside his home. There was CCTV evidence of Marta Herda driving in her car in the direction of Mr Orsas's house, and evidence that she had called him three times that morning. Less than 15 minutes after her last call to him, the car was in the water. Marta Herda was a good swimmer, but many people heard her say that she knew Orsas couldn't swim. She had been wearing just light clothing on that cold morning and the window was down on her side of the car, a bizarre thing to do. Mr. Grian said that Marta Herda had a very convenient loss of memory regarding that morning. She had said she had no idea how Casaba Orsas had come to be in her car, but she could remember everything up to that and, of course, everything after. All of this, Mr. Grehan said, proved that Marta Herda had deliberately driven into the harbour. Whether the decision was taken ahead of time or made on the spur of the moment was irrelevant. She had known Orsas could not swim when she did this and the intent was there. The prosecutor said, quote, Someone overheating or losing the run of themselves can commit murder. The following day, the 21st of July, 2016, Herda's defence counsel, Galicia Oladeda, delivered his closing statement. He said that the state's case made no sense. He addressed the jury saying that the state, quote, had said to you that some of you might find it fanciful or far-fetched that Marta Herda deliberately drove into the water because she had the window open and could swim. I find this a truly amazing proposition because that's the defence case that how could she have done this because it would be committing suicide. He admitted that Orsas was probably the one who had pulled the handbrake but said that this was not proof of guilt. Oladeda told the jury that he was happy for them to listen to their gut because the state's case simply didn't make sense. In terms of intent, Mr Oladeda said that after dismissing the state's notion that Herda had had intent to kill or seriously injure, the jury would also have to consider whether gross criminal negligence was involved. If so, this intent would require a verdict of manslaughter. However, Oladeda said that there was no evidence to support this either. At worst, Ms Herda might have engaged in dangerous driving resulting in death, but that was not the charge before them and it was the prosecution that had not included it. It would be unfair to find Herda guilty of manslaughter because the state had failed to charge her correctly. All his client had wanted to do was to maintain friendly relationships with the men around her, even though Mr Orsas's behaviour was worrying. That wasn't a crime. Herda had immediately sought help for Kasaba once she extracted herself from the water. There had been no plan, and surely if there was one, she would have come up with some explanation for what exactly had happened that morning. Instead, Herda said she couldn't remember. On Friday, the 22nd, Mr. Justice McCarthy gave his instructions. The jury had three options open to them. They could find her guilty of murder, not guilty of murder but guilty of manslaughter, and not guilty. In order to find that murder had occurred, They must be satisfied that Marta Herda had intended to kill or seriously injure Mr Orsas. There need not be an element of pre-planning, and it was not necessary for the state to prove motive. For manslaughter, they should find a high degree of negligence, that there was a risk of substantial injury to others. This, he said, would be more than carelessness, which would obviously be involved should someone drive off a pier. This episode is sponsored in part by StoryWorth. Sometimes we all suffer from the bad habit of thinking that our parents' lives started with our birth, don't we? So there's something utterly fascinating about hearing stories of the past and what our parents' lives were like when they were young. The other day my mum came out with a description of the old Metropole Cinema and Ballroom in Dublin's O'Connell Street. The building is gone now, and so is the Ireland it was in. Last week she described how, by luck, she and my father had the large for the time sum of £10 between them on the weekend that they put their deposit down on their first and only house. I love all these little gems that my mom drops and now I want to mine them. I want to hear her story, fully and properly. And that's why I'm delighted to be sponsored by StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones connect through sharing stories and memories and preserves them for years to come. Every week, StoryWorth emails your mother or loved one with a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you never thought of like what's some of the best advice your mother gave you or what was your favorite holiday? You can even ask your own. After one year, StoryWorth compiles all those questions and stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share for generations. I've often wished I had the foresight to ask my nana questions like these while I still could, and I won't be missing the opportunity to preserve my own mom's story for my daughter and share it with my sisters and their kids too. Give all the moms or parent figures in your life a meaningful gift you'll both cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, for a limited time, you'll save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com rea. That's storywort dot R-E-A. And you'll save $10 on your first purchase. StoryWorth.com slash rea. The following Monday, the 25th of July, the jury of eight men and four women began their deliberations in Marta Herda's trial, spending three hours behind closed doors before being sent home for the night. Another three hours were spent in deliberations that Tuesday when the jury was once again sent home. By the end of the third day of deliberations, the jury were told that a majority verdict would be accepted and they were sent home for the night once more. And so, on the morning of Thursday, the 28th of July, 2016, after eight hours and 11 minutes, the jury returned with their verdict. They found Marta Herda guilty of the murder of Kassaba Orsas by a majority of 11 to 1. Marta Herda stood still and impassive as the verdict was read to the court, but lost her composure when the court rose briefly before the sentencing portion of the hearing began. Friends and her legal team moved to comfort her. According to the Irish Times, Herda wept uncontrollably as Mr. Justice McCarthy handed down the mandatory life sentence. After this, a victim impact statement made by Cassaba's brother Zoltan was read to the court by Garda Catherine O'Rourke. Mr. Sandro said that he was haunted by having had to identify his brother's body. He had flashbacks and nightmares and had to explain to his son, who was three at the time, why he was always crying. Zoltan told the court that when he went to tell his family what had happened he couldn't tell his mother. He had had to ring his older brother and tell him instead. Their mother had heart problems and their older brother was also reluctant to tell the news as they thought it might kill her but the media had the story and she had to be told before she saw it elsewhere. The whole family had been traumatised including his kids and he had not been able to return to work. He had had a position at the Brook Lodge Hotel too, where his brother and the defendant had worked. Zoltan said, quote, I can't swim and I regret it for all my life because while the emergency services were looking for Kassaba, I couldn't do anything. Kassaba, quote, just wanted to be happy, family, kids, things that everybody wants, but he will never have a chance for all of this because he died. Following the sentencing hearing, Herda was led from the court by prison officers. Later, Zoltan spoke to the Evening Herald and said that he had warned his brother off pursuing things with Herda after seeing how she acted. Initially, he'd been encouraging to Kassaba, but when Herda said that she wouldn't get into a relationship with him and Zoltan watched her behaviour, he had changed his mind. Zoltan told the paper that Herda, despite what she had said, flirted and touched kasaba He thought that Herda was effectively leading kasaba on, that she wanted the attention from him, but that she did not want a relationship. He told his brother to let it go, but Kassaba told Zoltan that he was in love with Herda. In January of 2017, after lodging her notice to appeal her conviction, Marta Herda and her legal team said that they would be applying for bail for her while awaiting the hearing of the appeal. Mr Oladeda said that there was a, quote, discreet and clear ground of appeal which he asserted had a strong chance of success before the court. Given this, they felt bail was appropriate. The application would have been made earlier, the barrister went on to say, but he had wanted to review the transcript of the portion of the trial the appeal rested on. He said it related to what was or was not said by the trial judge in the case, and that the hearing itself, he thought, would take very little time to be heard at the Court of Appeal. The bail hearing was listed for the 5th of April but the application failed. The appeal itself opened on the 18th of July, 2017. Galesa Olideda presented 17 grounds of appeal in total and argued that no evidence had been presented of Herda's state of mind or her supposed deliberate intent except for her alleged confessions. She never said she drove into the harbour knowing that she was driving into the harbour, Her statements were given in English, not her first language, and she had at all times denied having deliberately driven into the water. There was no suggestion that she was trying to end her own life. Circumstantial evidence on its own could not have grounded her conviction, but he argued that the trial judge had essentially said that this was the case to the jury. He said there were no instructions given by the trial judge regarding how the jury were to approach the notion of whether Herda had deliberately driven into the water or whether it had been an accident. The judge had asked the court to think about the idea of a person deliberately lowering their window and making a decision to execute someone by driving through the barriers on the basis that she knew she would be able to escape. Herda's defence barrister said that the circumstantial evidence did not point to murder and the trial judge's direction that the circumstantial evidence could amount to murder was not founded in law. Brendan Grehan, who had prosecuted the case, outlined the facts at the appellate hearing. He said that the evidence against Marta Herda was crystal clear. Mr. Grehan said that the pier at the harbour was more like a runway. Herda had driven down it at great speed, fast enough to crash through two barriers between the pier and the water, and that the jury had seen hours and hours of Garda interviews with Ms Herda, who was very articulate. There were no skid marks on the road which would indicate that she had tried to slow down, and the handbrake had been engaged, presumably by Cassaba Orsos, in an attempt to stop the car from plummeting off the pier. There was no sign of any attempted evasive action by the driver of the car present on the roadway. According to the state, Herda had known that Mr Orsas had a, quote, mortal fear of water, and she had made contact with him and lured him into the car just minutes before he would end up at the bottom of the harbour. Mr Grian told the appeal judges that anything Herda said after that was an attempt to explain away the inexplicable. The three-judge panel reserved their judgment at the end of a two-day hearing. Their judgment was delivered in October of that year by Mr Justice Alan Mahon. Justice Mahon said that it was, quote, "...fanciful to suggest that driving off a harbour pier at speed into water was both deliberate and not intended to cause serious injury or kill." The Court of Appeal found that the trial judge had been correct to allow the evidence of nurses who had spoken to Marta Herda after the incident in the hospital. They were disinterested witnesses and persons of integrity. The phrase, quote, he didn't think I would do it, attributed to Marta Herda by one of these nurses, constitutes an admission, or at least gave an inference that she had driven into the harbour deliberately. This was similar to what could be taken from Marta Herda's statement, when she described driving into the harbour after feeling she had had enough of Orsas's behavior, and saying in relation to this, quote, I could not take it any more. Herda's appeal was rejected, and she again wept while the decision was delivered. Family and friends in court comforted her, and spoke to the media outside the court after the hearing concluded. The Herda family felt that the conviction was unfair, they said they were sorry about what had happened to Cassaba Orsas, but asserted that Marta had not set out to kill him. They said the case would be brought to the Supreme Court. However, in May of 2018, the Supreme Court refused to hear the appeal. There was no point of law of general importance raised in the appeal documents, nor was an appeal necessary in the interests of justice. The decision noted that most of the grounds of appeal had been addressed and rejected by the Court of Appeal the year before. One ground set out that the jury should have been instructed regarding a lack of interpreter during Herda's Garda interviews, and of course with the nurses in the hospital who also gave evidence, especially as the meanings of what she had said were disputed. However, the Supreme Court justices noted that these issues had not been raised at trial by Herda's legal team, and laws relating to interpreters would not have applied to the statements made to nurses in any case. Marta Herda had lived and worked in Ireland in a public-facing role for seven years, and it appeared that she had a good grasp of the English language until it suited her not to. However, Marta Herda and her family continued to protest her innocence. Out of opportunities to pursue appeals in Ireland, it was announced that they intended on bringing the case to the European Court of Human Rights, while it was hoped they would be able to present fresh evidence before the court here. A website was set up by Herda's family and supporters, helpformartha.org, to set out Herda's case for her innocence and to fundraise for her legal case. On the website, still accessible today, you can find a collection of supportive news reports in the Polish language. There's also a scathing letter written from Marta to Detective Sergeant Fergus O'Brien on the occasion of his retirement from the Gardaí. The page also sets out what are referred to as abnormalities in Marta's case. They say there were no fingerprints taken from Marta's car after it had sat in Arklow Harbour for nine hours in choppy water. Gardie had not established who had pulled the handbrake on the car. They had also not established if or when Marta had smoked a cigarette in the car that morning, causing her to roll the window down. The list also says that Gardi should have looked into an allegation that Cassaba Orsas might have used steroids and that his behaviour in the period before his death should have been carefully examined in light of this. Further, the site states Marta received poor legal advice and that her interviews with Gardi had been conducted improperly and in an oppressive manner. There has been no news of the progress of the ECHR case published in the Irish press since 2018, however, nor has there been any new developments in the matter in the courts here. Marta Herda continues to serve out her life sentence. Thank you for listening to Mens Rea, a true crime podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at mensreapod, or you can send an email to mensreapod at gmail.com. This podcast is made possible in part from generous donations by supporters on Patreon. A special thanks this week goes out to Heather Wilcox, Beth Landes, Becca, Amy Murphy, Mark J. Sheffield, and Chris Saley. If you'd like ad-free episodes or bonus episodes, head on over to patreon.com forward slash mensreapod. I'll be at CrimeCon in London this June. Please come see me. Use the mens Rea code for a lovely discount and you'll find tickets at crimecon.co.uk. I'll also be at the True Crime Podcast Festival in Dallas, Texas on the 24th to the 27th of August. Visit truecrimepodcastfestival.com to grab your tickets. Our theme music is Quinn's The Dance Begins by Kevin McLeod. Additional music is by Juanita Meisel and Kevin MacLeod. This episode was researched, written and produced by me, your host Sinead. Additional research, writing, and editorial support this week was from the amazing Eileen McFarlane. All sources for today's episode can be found in the show notes or on our website, www.mensreapod.com. And so, till next time, don't do anything I wouldn't do. course comforted her, comforted her, comforted her, and course comforted her, comforted